good morning, everyone. Once again, it's an honor for me to be able to share the Word of God with you. I pray that as a result of the message today, your heart will be in, in, encouraged and you'll be inspired to walk uh, closer to God. Uh, we're going to be looking at words that Jesus said. Uh, the title of our message today is, Do You Want to Get Well? So let's begin reading here in John chapter 5, uh, verse 1. Uh, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. So the Jewish leader said to the man who'd been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. What a great story. And I'd like to make two points from this story today. The first, Jesus has the power. Jesus has the power. The second, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Let's talk about the fact that Jesus has the power. Now here in, in, in John, in the Gospel of John, uh, there had been uh, an absence of miracles uh, for many years. Uh, 400 years of silence from uh, Malachi uh, to Matthew and then John the Baptist comes on the scene and then Jesus comes on the scene and starts bringing about great healing in people's lives. And yet I believe God always wanted his people to know that he was a God of mercy. As a matter of fact, Bethesda means house of mercy. And that he also was a God of miracles. And so I, I believe that every now and then uh, that the angel would come down and the waters would be stirred and people would be healed. And people would once again know that, that the God of mercy was also a God of healing and that he was concerned about his people. As a matter of fact, in the King James Version of, of this, in John, John 5, verse 4, is read this way. It says, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And then again, in the Amplified Version, John 5, verse 4, says, for an angel of the Lord went down at appointed seasons into the pool and moved and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after stirring up of the water, stepped in, was cured of whatever disease with which he was afflicted. 
Now, some of the earlier translations omit John 5, verse 4, but just for our understanding, uh, it's added here so that we can get the picture that multitudes are, are, are gathered around. Can you imagine if something like this occurred in our world today, that if there was a pool with which people could be healed, if they were blind and crippled and lame, I mean, there, were, there would be people as far as the eye could see trying to get to this pool. And so Jesus surveys, surveys the situation because there, there are many people who have come and gone and who are lying around, and he, he, he notices this man who's been an invalid for 38 years. And he asks him a question that, I mean, it, it makes you just wonder. I mean, why ask this question? Do you want to get well? Do you want to get, I mean, what's the obvious answer? Do you want to get well? <laughs> Absolutely. And yet we're going to see that there were some things in, in this man's heart that needed to, to be healed even more so than the physical healing that Jesus was going to bring about in our lives. But this shows us how much our Lord cares about each and every one of us. That even if we're in a crowd, he's concerned about you as an individual and where you are spiritually, what you need. Do you want to get well? Do you need to be healed? And of course, the man answers. He says, look, I have, have no one to help me. And then Jesus shows us the miraculous power of God. Jesus simply says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And the Bible says at once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. That's the power of our Lord. And, and we see it all throughout uh, the Gospels that Jesus has the power. And what does God want us to learn uh, from these miracles in the Bible? And this is the third miracle that we see recorded in the book of John. But what is, what is, what is God wanting us to understand as we see the blind uh, being healed and the lame and the paralyzed and Jesus even raising the dead. What should we walk away with? And I think the thing that, that we, we should uh, understand among many things is that God has the power to heal. He is the God of miracles. That Jesus has the power to bring about change in our lives. He has unlimited power. And if God can heal the invalid, he can heal the paralyzed, that he can bring about change in your life. He can transform your life. He can take us out of darkness into light, that we can go from being enslaved to sin to being conquerors, more than conquerors, by the power of God. Now, John tells us in John 20, verse 30, in 30 and 31, he says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That the miracles are to show us that we, if, we, if Jesus can, can do this, that if we believe in him, we can have life in his name. The Amplified Version reads John uh, 20, uh, 31 this way. It says, but these are written, recorded, 
in order that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the son of God, and that through believing and cleaving to and trusting and relying upon him, you may have life through in his name, through who he is. What a great scripture. What, what, a, what great hope that gives us. That nothing is impossible with our God. That Jesus has unlimited power to bring about change in life. And if Jesus can heal a man who's been an invalid for 38 years, then he can most certainly change my life and change your life. You know, one of my, my struggles as I studied the Bible as a young man, and I just had a spiritual birthday, uh, April of, of, of this past month, in, in April of 46 years, one of my struggles was, can I, can I do this? Can I live a life uh, not enslaved to sin? Can I say no to, to my appetites, to my lust? Can I walk that straight and narrow road? And here, 46 years later, I'm not perfect, far from it, but I am walking in the light. I'm, I'm not the man that I was, and by the Spirit and the grace of God, I'm a new creation, and God has shown me that there is power to change. You know, it reminds me uh, of the situation when Jesus came down from Mount Transfiguration. His disciples were were trying to heal this demon-possessed boy, and the boy's father tells Jesus that this demon, he says, is often throwing my son uh, into the fire or water to kill him. But then he says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And what does Jesus reply? If you can? If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible through him who believes. And so Jesus is wanting us to see that there's hope. That if you have faith, if you believe in me, the power is there. There is no life that Jesus cannot change. There is no sin that you cannot overcome through the power of God. That's the hope that Jesus wants to give us today. And yet, as much as we may want to focus on the physical miracles and the outward change, the Lord's priority is always the inward change. Because what is the greatest miracle? I believe God wants us to understand that the greatest demonstration of the power of God is a transformed life. Not just some external change, but when a person goes from light to darkness and they give their heart to God for the rest of their lives and they walk according to his, his word and, and they live a life that's filled with zeal and passion and love for God. That's the miracle that, that we go from a life of selfishness and self-indulgence to a life of total self-denial to give God glory. Remember the story of, of the paralytic that was lowered through the roof that they couldn't get in the, in the house and so they, they lowered the man through the mat and, and, and here in, in Luke chapter 5, the man is laid down and he's there in front of Jesus. And what does Jesus say in Luke 5 verse 20? He says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. What does that tell us? 
at the priority of God. And what God is most concerned about is changing who we are inwardly. They're helping us to overcome the sin in our lives. And that the greatest problem is not the physical, but the spiritual. And oftentimes, the issue is not that people are crippled externally, but they're crippled internally. Not that we're paralyzed physically, but that we're paralyzed spiritually. And that many people who even claim to be Christians are laying down, not just physically, but they're laying down spiritually. And Jesus is saying, you need to get up. You need to get up. You need to get up and walk in the light to give glory to God. You see, the water was stirred. And this and, and people were trying to get in this pool. And this man, he never got there. But the water was stirred. And you saw the power of God. And the water that is stirred today, I believe, are the waters of baptism. And Peter tells us in, in Acts 2 and verse 38, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. What a great opportunity that if you repent and you're baptized, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And God begins to bring about amazing change in your life. That if, as we go down into the waters of baptism, we come up a new creation, which is evidence of the miraculous power of God to bring about change in our lives. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says, For the spirit God gave us does not make, make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. If you claim to be a disciple of Jesus, is the power of Jesus, the power of God evident in your life? Is it evident? Can people see it? Because of the way that your life is, is changed, because you're you're growing spiritually. And if you're not a disciple of Jesus, if you want to see change, then you begin with true repentance before God. And He will transform your heart. I want us to understand today that Jesus has the power. There's no life that Jesus cannot change. No matter where you find yourself, you know, no, no matter what you've been enslaved to, that Jesus wants us to understand that that life can be radically changed, that, you, that, that no matter what you've been enslaved to, drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever addiction, that it can be crucified in your life by the power of God. You know, as we think about marriages, and I'm so concerned about our marriages today, I want us to understand that, that no matter where you are, maybe you're stuck. Maybe you're at an impasse. Maybe you're at a place where I don't know how we're ever going to get on the other side of this. Well, Jesus has the power. And that if the marriage is, is not changed, it's not because of the absence of the power of God, but the failure to tap into that power. Jesus can change it. Do you believe that? We've got to once again embrace the power of God. That we've got to remember that the waters were stirred for us so that we could see and take hold 
of the power of God to change life. And the greatest miracle less is, is a person who's given it all to the Lord, who's gone from light to darkness. It's what we see when Jesus uh, cured the demoniac, that he went from being enslaved to being, to, to, from being controlled by Satan's grip to being a proclaimer of the good news. And he went throughout the Decapolis telling the good news. That's the kind of change that God wants to see. That, that we see in Peter who went from a man who was, was cowardly at one point to being bold and courageous. The change that we see in the Apostle Paul who had a passion for the law and then began to have a passion for the cause and turned the world upside down. That's what God wants to see that kind of change in our lives. Jesus has the power. Are we tapping into that power? But then the other point is, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? In John 5, verse 6, that's what Jesus asked the man. Do you want to get well? The King James Version puts it this way. John 5, verse 6. Wilt thou be made whole? Wilt thou be made What's your will? What's your desire? What do you want? I think one of the things we understand about life that is that until a person is ready to change, no matter how bad things have gotten, no matter how much other people try to help them, until an individual says, I'm ready. I want this. This is my will. It won't happen. It just won't happen. And I, I want to thank the church because I, I know our people, we, we try so hard to help other people. One thing I can say about the New York City Church of Christ, if you want help, help is available. It is available. And the real issue is, do we want the help? Are we willing to embrace the help? Are we willing to humble ourselves and say, hey, come help me? I think it's, it's so obvious at times in our lives, the things that we need to work on. You know, it's something that we just uh, spoke at a marriage retreat, speaking to the, the New England churches. And a part of our testimony is the, six, the first six or seven years where we struggled so much in our marriage where we, we just couldn't figure it out. We, we couldn't get things resolved. And she definitely wasn't happy. And I wasn't the man that I needed to be to help guide and lead her. And said, well, well what brought about the change? Well, we got great help when we came to New York, and, and we're eternally grateful for that. But I'm telling you, the real change, the real key, was when we both decided, I got to change me. That the real issue is me as I as I looked at myself and looked at the marriage and came to the conclusion, it's my problem. It's my pride. It's my arrogance. You know, it's my lack of, of, of compassion and sensitivity. That's the problem. Sam, you've got to change. And praise God, by his spirit, I can change. And once she began to understand that she needed to, to do what she needed to do and I needed to do what I needed to do because we want to give glory to God because Jesus is Lord, 
That's when things began to turn around. And the same is true today. The real question is, what do you want? Do you want to get well? Because you can get well. It's so obvious to us at times what is is a character flaw in our life or an area of discipline that we need to overcome or an appetite that we need to crucify or or whatever it may be. We, we, We clearly, obviously see sometimes the issues that are in our lives. But do we want to fix it? Here, this man has been at this, this, this pool for years. He's been in this condition for 38 years. And Jesus' simple question is, do you want to get well? Look, the Lord has insight into every heart. And he is concerned about every individual. And he wants to know from each of us individually, do you want to get well? Do you want to grow spiritually? Do you want to give glory to God? Do you want to say no to sin? Do you want to to live a spiritual life? Do you want your marriage to get better? Do you want the peace and and joy and contentment that you can have as a single? Do Do you want it? Because if you want it and you go after it, God will provide it to you and and give it to you. What does this man say when Jesus asks him, do you want to get well? He takes no personal responsibility. He basically says, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. What kind of answer is that? In other words, what he's saying is, not my problem. I, I mean, nobody's trying to help me. And then other people, uh, they jump in before me. And sometimes that's the way we can see our lives from a spiritual perspective that, that look, I'm not getting the help that I need, which most times is, is so far from being true. And then, look, other people, uh, look, it's, it's easier for them. God's opening a door for them, but he's not opening a door for me. And, and that's not true either. You know, the, the real issue is as long as you blame other people for your situation, you will never be free from it. As long as the problem is something outside of you, you won't be able to make the changes inside of you. Don't let outward circumstances control who you are or put a cap on what you can become because you're paralyzed. And Jesus is saying, no, you can be set free. Do you want to get well? What do you want? Because nothing can stand in your way if you decide this is something you want. And so let's stop making excuses today, church, for wherever we are spiritually. And let's own our situation. And let's point the finger at ourselves. And let's look to God and say to him, I want to get better. And secondly, we need to start seeking help. We gotta start seeking help. How does God answer our prayers a lot of times? It He sends the right people into our lives. If we'll just listen, if we'll just humble ourselves and listen and take input. You know, Cindy and I, we were involved in a marriage counseling situation, and 
uh, Armando and Deja Santiago were involved in this, were helping us out. And uh, their, their life, their marriage, their testimony is evidence of the miraculous power of God. Because the, it, it's amazing what God has done in their lives from where they were to where they are today. But I'm going to always remember the words that Armando said in trying to help a brother in a counseling situation. He simply said, you must totally surrender. You must totally surrender. In other words, you've got to let go. And you've got to give it totally, over totally to God. And really, isn't that what we're here today isn't this what today is about as we begin to commune together isn't that what we're focused on isn't that what jesus demonstrated to us says totally see the lord is not just concerned about us getting baptized or or just becoming members of the church as jesus uh, looked at this man's life He's caught up with him another time, and he just he says, see, you're healed. You're better. Now, stop sinning or something worse is going to happen. See, the Lord continues to watch over us. He continues to examine and, and ask, and where are we? Are we progressing? And the way that we continue to grow and, and make changes by being totally surrendered. Lord, I give it all to you. You're in charge. You're the captain of my ship. And as we remember Jesus, as we commune together, what's he demonstrating to us on the cross? Total surrender. He gave his body. He gave his blood because that was the will of the Father. And as we commune, we can recalibrate today. We can make a radical change today. If, as we take the bread, as we take the cup, we recommit ourselves to total surrender. Let's pray together. Our God and Father in heaven, thank you so much for your miraculous power. The power to change our lives, the power to transform our lives. And as we commune together today, God, we thank you, we praise you for the example of your son. That he gave his body and he gave his blood to give you glory, to surrender to your will so that we could be set free, so that we would no longer be spiritual invalids, that we would no longer be paralyzed and crippled by sin and guilt. We praise you, God, that as we commune together, we can once again understand that the way to life is to die. Thank you for his example of total surrender. Thank you that we can participate in this feast to your glory. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Get well.